Welcome to Washington Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. Washington in Focus is powered by the Center Square and a production of America's Talking Network. Check out all of our great podcasts at americastalking.com. If you enjoy great podcasts like this one, hit the link in the show description to support us. Joining me today is Washington reporter for the Center Square, Spencer Polly. Spencer, how are you doing today, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I had a late night. I'm not going to lie. I mean, Washington to focus. We have to mention this. Let's ride. I mean, we have to say let's ride. Team of me just today, right? <laughs> yeah, team of me today. Washington focus. Let's ride. Spencer, you you have a good pulse. You're there in Seattle. Is there any love loss of of Russell Wilson? I mean, he's it's not exactly, you know, the X that is thriving. I'll put it that way. I mean, it, he's, he seems to be struggling a little bit. And I, I'm imagining some people are taking uh, some amount of joy in that. There is a lot of joy going on. Did <laughs> Geno Smith outperform Russell Wilson? How much did he make? Almost $300 million? <laughs> I, think, I think it was more, right? I think it was like 345 something like that. Maybe it was 245 45 is in my head. It's one of the two. I'll tell you right now, in Seattle sports right now, with the Mariners winning, the Seahawks doing better than expected, and Russell Wilson blowing it, it's great. Yeah, great I vibes mean, out here today. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, I was I was watching that game last night, and boy, oh boy, that was the worst all of these, game ever. I'm going to say all of these Thursday night, Monday night games have put me to sleep. 12-9? So yes. In overtime? I love seeing field goals. It's my favorite. <laughs> all right, Spencer, let's get this thing rolling. Speaking of things that also, you know, cost a lot of money other than Russell Wilson, uh, Washington Hospitals, you put out a story this past week talking about how they lost almost $2 billion in six months amidst staffing shortages. What's going on there, Spencer? Yeah. So earlier this week, uh, the Washington State Hospital Association did a very grim press briefing where they just released some numbers. And uh, well, let me show you. Net operating losses were $1.2 billion in the first six months of the year. So in comparison, last year's net operating losses were $113 million. And so combined so, with... In- okay, why, why, is it, why is the spike so much? Tenfold, basically, right? In six months? Yeah. Uh, you, the reasons are because of supply chain shortages. There's an increased number of patients throughout the state. But mainly they're saying there's more people leaving the healthcare field than entering. So you're seeing a lot of staffing shortages around here. So it is the idea that the, but tenfold's a lot, right? Is, is, is the staffing shortage idea that there's less people who are in the field and then that's driving up prices for basically the people that are in it? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So things are just, they're not, and they're running out of cash too. So these, basically you're seeing, you're going to see first these acute hospitals across the state. If, if this can, continues the financial outlook, which they say is unsustainable at this point, they're going to close and you're going to see just a lack of care for patients, you know? So how many, when we say Washington hospitals, what do we mean by that? Is that across the board? Is that within one certain? That's across the board. Across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can tell you, I don't know the exact number of hospitals around the state, but I can tell you the number of hospital employees across is at 118,000. And that has remained flat. So you're not seeing an increased number. But you're of that, but you're seeing increased number of patients. So you so, can see why there's an issue. Yeah. So, so Spencer, are these hospitals, are, are they taking any actions or anything going into 2023, right? Fiscal year 2023 to make changes? There's nothing set right now this is after this financial outlook. Uh, they said that they relied uh, last year and the year before on federal funds. And that's why they remain afloat, I guess you could say. 
is because there's federal funds, but they said it's just wiped out now. So they're not getting any kind of, you know, aid from the state or the federal government. So, so essentially this is going to the taxpayer. Is that, is that fair? I mean, is that kind of what it sounds like? Maybe you could, you could say that that's a good possibility here. You mentioned the unsustainability factor, and that's why I say, okay, if if they're not going to be able to sustain it from a budgetary standpoint, and they were relying on essentially funds from the government before, I'm imagining that's where they're going to have to go back to to try to to even this out. So less of a uh, of a comment on it, and more of a well, if I connect the dots intuitively, I think that's probably where it's going to go. Yep, and you're probably going to see the governments have to help them because I mean, <laughs> well, you know, you need ca- patient care. Well, you said basically they're either going to have to get this funding or, or hospitals are going to close, right? That's exactly it. There's, that's the only two options now. All right. Well, I'm sure there will be more to that story, Spencer. Oh, I'll uh, keep covering it. I, I assume you will. That seems like that'd be a pretty big deal if this all comes to a head. Uh, another story. This is one of the top stories out of Washington right now. And you wrote it. Good job, Spencer. Thank you. Home run, man. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> there's a, uh, some amount of talk around Bellevue firefighters and how much they're making due to overtime pay boosts. And and the fact, again, much like the healthcare field, reduced staffing. Some firefighters in Bellevue made over $200,000. Well, honestly, I just looked at the numbers. I think I broke the story. You broke the story? Yeah, I, I just, I'm the one that broke the story about this. <laughs> nice job. I'm very Thanks. proud of you. So, so, okay, so we have story-breaking reporter Spencer Polly. That's how we'll have to introduce you in the future. Story-breaking reporter, Spencer Polly, what's going on here? Basically, I just looked at the budget for Bellevue. This is a really rich city. Uh, you're going to see it trend in the way that San Francisco has in the past 10 years. They're just making more and more money in the city, and people in within are making more. So, And that includes Bellevue fire, uh, fighters. So I just looked at the budget of last year and found that 18 employees of the Bellevue Fire Department most of them firefighters, but there are others in their different positions. But they made over 200000 last year. One firefighter made over 286000 That was the highest amongst them all. And he made that through a basically 153000 in overtime pay. That helped boost him. So I'll give you another number. In 2018, the city paid $7.9 million in overtime. That rose 34% till last year, where it was $10.6 million. So, yeah, you're just going to see more. It's going to keep going up and up that the trend keep, continues, you know. But, yeah, I, these firefighters, they're making good money. But I will say Bellevue is expensive. You're not going to find a lot of places to live. Apartment, houses, where it's going to, you know, you're going to pay a, a good chunk of money. Yeah. Or 200 grand. I, I, I always do think that's that's always an interesting part of the conversation, too, which is the standard of living in an area where you see, uh, public servants, but even take that aside, even even private sector jobs and you see price points and people always say, oh, yep. my gosh, they're making that amount. Um, you always see, I mean, south of Washington, obviously, but down in L.A. and things like that, you can just look at the housing price difference of what a $400,000 house is in L.A. versus, you know, the, you know, let's say just eastern Washington. Right. Yeah, it's a whole and, different beast. Yeah. And so I, I think uh, that number probably raises some eyebrows, but I'm sure if it was adjusted, it would it would still raise eyebrows. Don't get me wrong, but it it might not be as uh, as large as some people think. And so shockers, yeah, yep. I, I guess yep. that's what I'm trying to get at. So you know, hey, context is important, Spencer Pauline. It really I, is, and you it know really that, is. and that's why you're a that's why you're a story breaking reporter. <laughs> All right, another taxpayer funded uh, job, obviously, is teachers. 
uh, one teacher in Kent made over $179,000 last school year. Spencer, what happened here? Well, I've been covering uh, the Kent teacher strike and the sale teacher strike. Uh, and I've been, I guess you could say critical, uh, four out of 10 in both uh, districts, four out of 10 teachers made over a hundred grand. With that being said, I think it's important for readers to understand how they make over that mu- that much. So I'll just go with Kent school district with the story last school year. The average annual teacher salary was from 77000 to 84000 You know, one teacher in Kent School District, he made the highest amount. And I won't say the names. I just don't think it's important. Sure. But made over almost 108000 So how does he do that? Well, his base salary was 107000 He's a very, he's had a lot of tenure there, experience. And that helps boost your pay to get that base salary. Now, how did he get so much more? Well. He took on six extra classes, social studies and professional preparation, I think, is the other course they take there in Kent. And then he coached three sports. So you're not he's pretty busy, I guess, is the best way to phrase this. But by doing so, that's how you can see him boost their pay up. So in in sense, teachers just they can hustle their way to make more money. But with the hustle. You're going to lose a lot of time away from school. <laughs> well, I, w- I was going to mention that. So I saw in your story that part of how this gentleman made that much was through coaching three sports. And full disclosure, I helped coach high school baseball and I'm a volunteer assistant. And that's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And then for this, the paid staff members, I mean, it's it's the expectation you will be there all the time. And to do that for one sport is a lot. Uh, three. Yeah, this this guy. That's a big time commitment. So that shouldn't go unmentioned. Like I, you know, I did a FOIA request to the school district to find out how, how he was making so much. And he was coaching for multiple years. You know, maybe it's a passion of his. And I'm going to just assume students love him and he's doing a good job coaching because he's been doing it for a bit now. But yeah, it also helps his uh, bank account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly does. So maybe I need to change fields and become a, a teacher or firefighter. You know, you know Cole? The, the moral of the story, hard work pays off and it what, does pay. My wife's a teacher. I'm going to, I'm going to send her this story and say, Hey, <laughs> use this for contract negotiations because <laughs> she there coaches too. Right. So, Hey, yeah. maybe, maybe instead of 179, just like, you know, how about that 150 range? Right. I mean, just, that's you know, we'll take that too. There you go. All right. <laughs> well, we'll move on from that. I mean, I, that was more of a self-help thing, I think for teachers across Washington to say, wow, we're learning a lot. <laughs> we're learning and helping people. That's what there we you do go. here at the center square. <laughs> All right. Obviously the economy slowing down the fed, increasing their uh, interest rate hikes. Uh, the the goal of that is to get the economy to slow down and get inflation to to drop. As an expectation of that, we anticipate seeing housing markets to start to cool across the United States. A city in Washington has the fastest cooling housing market. Spencer, which one is that? That would be Seattle. Seattle. All right. Why is that? Well, you're seeing home prices sell for two percent less in August than in July. And about 34% fewer homes are sold within two weeks in August compared to the same range last year. Now, the reason why is just blame mortgage rates mainly. So for your median priced home in Seattle, which is about a cool 775000 you know, three quarters of a million, uh, the typical monthly, monthly mortgage payment is more than 4400 So that's a good chunk of money, you know? Uh, that's compared to the beginning of the year, where it was 3300 
So mortgage payments just kept going higher and higher. And eventually you're going to see people be like, I can't do that. I'm just going to wait it out. And that's what's going on now. So Seattle, it just dropped exponentially. And you're seeing that with a lot of these West Coast uh, cities. Uh, There's Oakland, uh, San Diego, I want to say San Jose, and even Tacoma, which is just 30 minutes south of me. They're the top, they're number 10 in the top 10 fastest cooling markets. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I think for a lot of people, obviously, this could be expected. We saw across the board housing prices spike during the pandemic, obviously, mm-hmm. 2020 and 2021 in particular. Uh, I mean, people paying 40% more than they would have in 2019 at that same price point or for that same house, rather. Kind of expecting to to see this. I think I think it's going to be interesting in general to see how far these will actually sink uh, because people see that. But you know, if the housing market cools, the question is: Okay, is it cooling to pre twenty nineteen numbers, mm-hmm. or is it cooling from insanely high? You know, lumber prices were six times what they were. You know, it, where is it cooling down to? If that makes sense. Yeah, I. I don't I'm not know. Ask, I'm not. I'm not. I don't I'm sorry. know. That was more of a rhetorical question, Spencer. That was more of a. Hey, I, as we continue to follow this story, it'll be interesting to see if it drops down to below 2019 levels, or if it drops down to 2019, or even above that. Right? Because we see that with the stock market right now too. Oh, with every everything. Whenever I'm looking at budgets or anything, 2020 was just such an unprecedented year, and budgets and numbers and across all fields you can cover in journalism. It's just such an outlier. And so when you do see these numbers dip, it, you do have to put in hindsight. Are we talking about comparing it to 2020? Because that is the year. That's like a bad word now, isn't it? Yeah, no, I I, I, <laughs> I, I think so. I don't know. I, I, I've, I think it's going to be interesting, Spencer. So you and I, both younger guys, when we look back, you know, on, on our life and, and um, always wonder how 2020 will warp essentially an entire generation's view on how bad things can get if that makes sense yeah absolutely. because i mean you we hear the stories from like older generations where oh i had to walk uphill both ways you know to and from school in winter barefoot type thing yep uh, <laughs> how about uh i can even go to school Right. I mean, that's how bad it was. You may yeah. you, at least you could go. Right. I mean, we can even leave the house, you know, all about like perspective there. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's going to be interesting. But on a on a more topical note, I, 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 I do think it's this. The Fed is trying to get this result. This is what they want. And uh, people are going to hurt because of it. Yep. But, you know, it's uh it's one of those things. Uh, this is certainly not financial advice at all. But there is certainly a difference between realized and unrealized gains and losses, right? right. And, uh, you know, just when you think about this stuff, I, I think a lot of people do get concerned because they say, oh, my housing prices dropped all this amount. Well, if you're locked in on a, on a mortgage rate, you're not planning on selling right now, you know, I, if, if, if you don't have to, you might just wait out, you know. And that's, yeah, it seems like know, that's what's going on, too. Yeah, because you and, and the inverse, you had a lot of people in the last two years that said, well, hey, I wouldn't plan on selling my house, but I could sell it for $200,000 more than I could have in 2018. It'd be silly not to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is going to be interesting I, I, as as lumber and all those supply chains, as you mentioned earlier, start to sure. level out. Yep. 
anyway, you know, welcome to an insight into my life right now. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> it's so fun to be in our twenties with the housing market <laughs> yeah. crashing, yeah, yeah, <laughs> trying to great. find a house. I guess I'll just rent out a couple more times. Time. Hey, again, this is why if you go to the link in the show description, you can support great podcasts like this and great story breaking journalists like Spencer Polly and, and producers like Cole McNeely. You know, I there mean, this go. is, this is what you're doing. You're helping to put us into a 30% interest rate on mortgage. I mean, that's, that's what you're helping us do. What a great pitch. I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, let me move on from that one. Last story here. Got time for one more, certainly a, a more somber one. So I, I'm not going to be too jovial about this one, but the Seattle university district shootings have, have mobilized the city, some college officials, uh, to prioritize public safety. Spencer, first of all, walk us through what's been happening there, and then we'll get to what the city and the college officials are trying to do. Yeah, so just crime across uh, Seattle has gotten, it's just increased exponentially compared to last year. And uh, that goes for the university district. This is where University of Washington is located. You see a lot of students. At, this is like the biggest university in the state. And so there was a string of shootings near the campus over the weekend. And that included four students from UW and they were shot outside of a local bar. Um, in another instance, one was ran over by uh, uh, someone trying to flee the scene. And uh, it was it's a very somber time. And I think a lot of people across the city were sad to hear about this. I mean, this is just the beginning of the school year. These these are these could be freshmen. And um, I don't think a lot of these students knew about what could happen late at night. Um, and you got to think about their the parents, too, of even other kids who are talk about freshmen, right? Especially for freshmen. Yeah. If, if you have your, your child going to one of these schools and they see this violence happening, a lot of times, even a lot of times in cities, right, the, the campus tends to be that that area tends to kind of be shielded a lot from yes from crime and things like that so seeing that get into uh, the campus part of town is is certainly a concern i know and i mean think about high school students who are looking to go to that school and teachers who are looking as well with them they're gonna have to keep that in mind it's like so close to the campus i'm telling you this is two blocks away this bar so is this, is this a is this an isolated incident though, right? Or is this making a mountain out of a molehill to a degree, or is this a trend that's being shown in that area? Well, I'll tell you this: last year there was only one non-fatal and one fatal shooting in the district in all of last year. So in the first eight months of this year, there have been five non-fatal shootings and two fatal shootings throughout the district. This doesn't include what happened over the weekend. But already, that's kind of an alarming stat right there. So statistically, it's becoming more unsafe in the university district. And this is where students are. This is where kids, these are kids. You know, you mentioned city and college officials are, are want, wanting to mm -hmm. do something, right? They see these trends. What are they What are they hoping to do? What are they saying they're going to do? Who knows what's going to pan out? But where what, where's the thinking at right now? Well, the university said they are working closely with the Seattle mayor and uh, Seattle city council, uh, specifically Alex Peterson, who covers that area. But uh, Mayor Harrell put out a statement saying that his biannual, his proposed budget for the next two years, he's proposing nearly half of it 
to go to public safety. That's 1.6 billion in general fund, half of that going to public safety. Do we, do we know what it was before at all? Or do I, not to put you on the spot, but that would be an interesting comparison if we had a breakdown of the budget before. Well, I could tell you specifically the Seattle Police Department, it would go from a budget of 355.5 million this year to 375.7 million in 2023. Now, since 2020, when the Black Lives Matter protests were going, the police were being defunded. This would be the first time that the department sees an increase, specifically a $10 million increase. Now, he, he put out a statement saying his, you know, his budget prioritizes public safety because we don't want any more events. And he added in another separate press conference that they're going to do more to protect, you know, student, not just students, but everywhere across the city. I mean, this is just it's not. It's not breaking news in the fact that this is a first of its kind incident. Stuff like this has been going on, but this is the first time it's been so close to what is considered a safe space for kids in a campus. You know, like you said earlier, usually campuses are a good safe spot for students. But now, two blocks away, you're seeing students just get shot out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in uh, Indiana, Bloomington, Indiana, which is where Indiana University is. So mm-hmm. speaking from my you know, experience where campuses, that's, it tends to be somewhat isolated. I think the university takes a lot of steps to make sure it remains that way. Now, one of the harder things I imagine in Seattle is the fact it's such a large city too, right? I mean, I I imagine that has to play in. You're not dealing with a rural town essentially that has a big university. You're dealing with a big city that has a university. Right. And I'll, I'll just say that the University of Washington put out a statement advising students to use their safety escort services that the school provides every night. And so you might see more students using that. I know that when I went to school, that was a there was a program similar to that. But you know, I lived in a small school outside of Columbus, Ohio. And so it, I was never really afraid for my safety there. But in Ohio State, even, I bet there were some times there where I was like, I'd probably be nice to have some kind of college-led program to get me home safe. Yeah, and I think, um, unfortunately, this is something that you and I, being guys, probably have Dudes. to think about even less, right, than than women would probably have mm-hmm. to. And so, anyway, sad to see. Uh, we hope Seattle and, and University of Washington and, and everybody around there can get something figured out to, to keep kids safe and in terms Absolutely. of getting their education. And I'm sure parents, faculty, students, all that would be would be happy about that. So, oh, yeah. all right, Spencer, uh, we got to wrap up. We're out of time. I want to thank the story breaking Spencer Polly for joining me today on Washington and Focus. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get our podcast. It's a production of America's Talking Network. You can check out all of our podcasts at americastalking.com. For Cole McNeely and Spencer Polly, you've been listening to Washington and Focus. Jeremy and Brett and Ray Lynn and maybe Spencer. We'll see. They'll probably all be back next week and you probably won't have to deal with me. Thanks for tuning in. 